You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, I'll try and stay planted in front of this mic as much as I can. Um, I guess our lapel mic died, so my hands get moving. I may knock it down, uh, you know. Anyway, I want to uh, take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you here with us this morning. What's that, Jack? Yeah, but my wife says it's for sure going down. Well, we'll see. She's usually right, so I'll just leave it at that. But it's great to be back in South Bay. Uh, last weekend, we were up in the North Region. Super appreciate everyone's prayers that we've been on the uh, your prayer list when it comes to uh, just helping our North Task Force navigate the waters up there. Feel like we had a, a very productive uh, Sunday kind of reveal as to what was taking place and what the task force findings were and. I do believe the healing process is starting. So please continue to pray for us as we move forward up there. But it's good to see each and every one of you. I'm so grateful that I can walk in. And uh, not that I have an opinion about this, but I love the fact that I don't have to worry about masks anymore. Or at least for right now. Uh, you know, who, who knows where that's going. But uh, and then, you know, I heard from Rhett Butler, or somebody told me that Rhett said last week that I said something along the lines of... Well, with me not being here for the chili cook-off, they gave somebody else a chance to win? Now, I, I, I just got a question. You guys actually see me saying something like that? Well, I guess after 10 or 11 years or however long we've been here, you guys know me pretty well. So, yeah, that was true. But anyway. Um, as most of you know, this is our eighth week of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, EHS for short. Uh, this is our eighth sermon on it, and uh, we're developing this next step of just this step of develop a rule of life. Let me get that up on the screen. Maybe. Anyway, you heard what I said. <laughs> um, with that, just kind of walk through. Oh, it is. It's just not here. I guess I need to. Anybody got a rearview mirror? Yeah, actually, that'd be difficult. We'd be backwards. Um, Where'd it go? There we go. <laughs> Developing a rule of life. Uh, as we move forward with this, we're going to be going through it. And I, I don't see it as a next slide, but I'll, I'll just walk through them. The chapters we've covered up to this point in time have been, number one, the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. There it is. You guys are amazing. Thank you. And again, big shout out and thanks to our tech team, our worship team, all the energy that goes into making this happen much earlier than most of us are here, which does lead me to a question. What time do our services start? 10.30. Enough said. We'll see you in, uh, next week at 10.30. Amen? Amen? Number two, knowing yourself that you may know God. Number three, going back to go forward. Number four, journeying through the wall. Number five, enlarging your soul through grief and loss. Discovering the rhythm of daily office and Sabbath and growing into an emotionally mature adult. Now, the, the purpose behind this session is to kind of bring together all the previous studies we've had together and uh, just really understand that one of the reasons that people turn away from Christianity in a lot of ways is because of the so-called rules that exist. I know some of you this morning, just even looking at some of the stuff up on the screen, have quite possibly already been triggered. And, you know, when we think of rules, you know, many of these rules lead to constraint, right? Legalism, um, it can squeeze the joy out of us. It can flatten our walk with God. And I know for me, when it comes to really understanding and associating 
Christian rules with faith kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive, but there is something that I've started to embrace. It's, it's been a process. It's been taking me a little while. But this idea of this spiritual formation or practice called developing a rule of life within the Christian faith, and that's not meant to constrain us. It actually liberates us. The purpose is to infuse joy into us rather than squeeze joy out of us. Amen? And I am referring to the rule of life. You know, in this session, we're going to take a small step to develop the personal rule of life to ultimately center our lives and our love around the love of God. Amen. And, you know, as I've stated, I've uh, had mixed feelings about some of what we've covered. Uh, how do I put this nicely? Um, out of the eight chapters, there are three that I really had some issues with. And one that really kind of bothered me, and needless to say, the one that bothered me the most is the one I have the incredible joy of preaching about this morning. <laughs> you know, I think uh, many of us can relate, and I, I really appreciate how deep, I'm going to talk about a little bit more, within our own Bible talk, how deep things have gone. The, the depth of additional depth of relationship. There's been a lot of great things that have taken place, but the ones that really challenged me the most were going back to go forward and enlarging your soul. And then through grief and loss came for me personally at a pretty rough time in my life. Um, and in a lot of ways, emotionally healthy spirituality couldn't come at a worse time in my life. Just in light of some of the things that were currently going on, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it would have been great if, you know, we had started this after Jack and I had gotten involved in leading the task force in the North region. And that there, there's this, the book is trying to help us to develop margin in our lives to give ourselves space so we can enjoy life, we can enjoy each other, but ultimately enjoying God, knowing that that flows into the rest of our interaction with each other. So, uh, you know, not the most opportune time, but again, whatever is, right? right. Um, and I think with that, one of the things that stood out to me in our small group discussions is that most of us, in reflecting on our relationship with God, tend to compartmentalize. We tend to separate our spiritual walk and our spiritual life from other parts of our lives, like school, home, work, recreation, whatever it may be. But before God, and really understanding this, every aspect of our lives should be equally sacred. Each and every aspect of our lives should be holy. Each and every aspect of our lives should be walked with God. So really understanding for me, and I would imagine this probably flows over to at least one or two other people in this group, is that what can be missing is an intentional plan to live this out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the background leading up to this message is a recognition of the external forces at work trying to cut us off from living, walking, and remaining ultimately with Jesus Christ. And all these distractions, they only serve one purpose, no other purpose than to pull us away from Christ and really understanding how significant it is for us to commit ourselves to spiritual disciplines and just trying harder isn't enough. You know, Jesus addresses this in Mark 4. He says, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so that no fruit is produced. You know, at the same time, within us, our own character in a lot of ways, naturally resist the will of God. Our tendency is to do our own will. 
not God's will, or at least, you know, I've done this on occasion, and I would imagine some of you have. You try to twist God's arm through prayer. Or you convince yourself that the direction you're going in is the best direction, and God will understand why you're doing what you're doing, even if it is in accordance with what he's established through his word. And that's what this message is all about, is to introduce us into an ancient buried treasure of history called the rule of life. Now, I did kind of get a kick out of this part of it, just understanding what took place the first few centuries of the church. A rule of life finds its roots in the men and women who withdrew from society as hermits in the deserts of Egypt and Syria during the third to fifth centuries in order to really seek God after the Emperor Constantine had made Christianity legal in the Roman Empire. Most of us know that's kind of when, once it became the legal religion, that's about the point in time it was more about traditions and buildings and everything else. And Christianity, in a lot of ways, tanked at that point. You know, they, these individuals wanted to free themselves from the worldliness that was found both inside and outside of the church. Um, Jacqueline and I were talking about this the other day, and that uh, she put it on out there, and I, I have a hard time getting this out of my head now, but um, I'm, I'm sure I'll get there during my times of silence and solitude where I clear the, clear the mechanism completely. But... She was like, you know, wouldn't it be nice just to go move out in the middle of the country somewhere and, you know, just start our own house church? I'm, I'm thinking, man, that would be an excellent idea. I, I could get behind that particular concept. But we're not going anywhere at this point. So, but you're really understanding that's what these individuals, these men and women in the 3rd through 5th century did. They withdrew from society. They wanted to find God and bring him to both the church and the world, and they eventually form these communities and organize their daily life around an agreed-upon plan consisting of work, prayer, and the study of Scripture. They knew how to grow and mature spiritually, and they understood the need for one another. And this thoughtful, conscious, purposeful plan was what came out of that. They called the plan the rule of life. And again, please do not be intimidated or triggered by the word rule. You know, most of us don't like rules, ordinances, or mandates, right? You feel me? There are a few words in this book that have me triggered uh, really before I understood the substance behind them. Like daily office. It's like, dude, seriously? Daily, I get. Office sounds like work. You know, I kind of like the old vernacular, quiet time. But as I got into it, it's like, okay, you know, when it comes to my quiet times, Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But again, most of us don't like rules. And really understanding the daily office, this rule of life, it's keeping it real. The phrase rule of life comes from the ancient Greek word for trellis. And believe me, this helped me a lot. You know, what you see back here is my backyard. Uh, We've got fuchsia over here on the left. And when it comes to a trellis, it's a little bit more difficult to work with because it's a hard, woody kind of vine. And I've tried to kind of manipulate and weave them in and build it out. Most darn branches break. Um, the one in the middle is a trumpet flower vine. And this thing is just, it goes nuts. Once I set it up on the trellis, I mean, literally the next day, there's a couple things that are starting to, they, they have actually, there's like these little spines in the vine. So as they start to circle it, they actually kind of dig in and hold on. And this thing grows like a weed. And you can see it's starting to fill out. And then there's camellia over here on the left, which... That framework gives them the ability to grow and fill out and just, you know, I mean, could you imagine any of this stuff just on the ground? I mean, that's where it would be without a trellis, right? 
and it, it also brings hummingbirds in my backyard, which most of you know. I do have a fascination for them, and this kind of helps keep them in. My, my next step is to get some uh, additional honeysuckle in the backyard, which seems to really pull them in. But anyway, so the, the, tre the trellis idea for me was super, super helpful. Just this understanding of this is kind of God's scaffolding for us. It's a means of building the spiritual structure of our individual life with God. And again, a trellis, a rule of life, is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything that we do. Now, it, can, it actually includes a number of unique combinations of spiritual practices that provide structure and direction for us to intentionally pay attention to God, to remember God in everything we do, to be with God, to live in his presence daily throughout the day. And this is one of the things I love the most about the early church. Acts 2, passage that most of us are pretty familiar with. Whoop. I think somebody else gave me an assist and then I overshot. Okay, there we go. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Excuse me a second. There we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those were, that were being saved. Now, as I said, I really love this passage in that it's a snapshot of the very first church assembly. Now, I want to open it up for a minute here. Where do we see this today? Anybody? <laughs> Nicole? I know. I see it with my church family. Amen. Other people have noticed it within their experience with the church family. I had uh, an event a few weeks ago and someone was there and said, I want to be a part of that. Amen. That's awesome. I know my first experience wasn't quite like that. I found it kind of overwhelming and that I never was really part of anything or anybody that actually interacted with each other. So stepping into that melee, my first church service at the Wiltern Theater was a little overwhelming, <laughs> yeah. but I've come to enjoy it. Um, anybody else? Chip? House church. Yeah, the thing that I love about this passage is that you guys, you exemplify what's going on in this passage. I mean, think about this. Chili cook-off, even though I wasn't there. <laughs> our park services, our teen camps, our youth camps. I mean, I love the fact that we have men and women that volunteer to expand this sense of village to help our young men and women understand the significance of what we all have, yep. but didn't have the guidance when we were at that age. To me, that is so amazing. You know, going through uh, emotionally healthy spirituality together, all the things that we support, our support of the Middle East, Mexico and Central America, the Nordics, hope, all of these are expressions of our faith that bring us closer to being more and more like Jesus Christ. And it makes me proud of each and every one of you. It makes me proud to call the South Bay Church my home. Amen. You know, and there's been, there's been stuff, even on a globe, from a global standpoint, that's been so encouraging. 
I mean, Karina Wingy's dad opening his home to Ukrainian refugees in Latvia. The Latvian church, about 70 members, are currently hosting 70 refugees from the Ukraine. And then just seeing the outpouring of love from all these other nations, these border nations, and the money that each and every one of you sent into support. I mean, Hope's basically saying, you know, right now, we got the money thing handled. Now it's about figuring out how to get the supplies in and, you know, all the tactical stuff that's involved there. So it's, it's, it's again, it's just so amazing to see the impact that we can have as Christians. And this is the central theme here in Acts, and I pretty much speak into it whenever I have an opportunity to, and that is we become like Christ by walking the way Christ walked, to walk as Jesus walked. Second John 2, verse 5, out of the Message Bible says, but the one who keeps God's word in the person in whom we see God's mature love, this is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. So we become like Christ by practicing the types of activities that Jesus himself engaged in. Yeah, I said it. He engaged on that level with people. Amen. (laughs) We remain constantly at home in the fellowship with the Father, God himself. This is what Jesus did by being submissive to what God has established. This is why he had the kind of impact that he had. So how did Jesus live? What were Jesus' rules of the office? Jesus practiced solitude. Right? Mm -hmm. Silence. You know, one of the things that that just totally stands out to me was the number of times he felt the need after pouring himself out, realizing the only way that he could do that is by allowing God to pour into him, by going out on a mountain place somewhere, on a beach, or wherever he would go to pull away and reconnect and recharge the batteries. I mean, this is the Son of God, right? Yet in his human form, he needed to make sure that he was making space to renew himself. Prayer. Simple and sacrificial living, study and meditation of God's word and God's ways. And he lived in service to others. And again, we're seeing more and more of this just locally right here in the way you conduct yourselves in our communities. You know, the early church in Acts 2, it was just amazing how so much of what they did was focused around this rule of life with these particular practices. Those practices led to them preferring the love of Christ above all things, no matter what it was that was going on around them. The fact that a lot of them were living in poverty. There was all kinds of wealth around them. They were being persecuted, but they stayed focused because they stayed within the trellis or the rule of life that was established in light of what we saw there in Acts 2. You know, this this love of Christ above all things, prayer, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread. You know, and this is... For me, this is true family and some of my favorite things. I mean, the, the last two weeks, we got a couple of March babies. We had James' birth, or excuse me, Caleb's birthday a few weeks ago. I love having my family over, throwing something on the barbecue, just hanging out, laughing, having a good time, that degree of connection. You know, we had James' birthday last weekend. Uh, we have extended families. Many of you have extended families right here and even beyond this. You know, there are a number of you in this group that I have a very special bond with, but not just with you, 
but your children as well. You know, what comes to mind for me is the Johnsons and the relationship I have with them and their kids, with the Wingies and the relationships we have with our kids. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can speak into this or not, but I'm, I'm glad and very grateful for the opportunity we have to spend time with them. I definitely miss Kyle. Uh, Kyle, if you don't know, he's a crack up. He's an amazing young man. He's just great to hang out with. But I wouldn't have this outside of the church. And even within our ministry leadership council, for those of you that don't know conceptually exactly what goes on there, we have nine regions in LA. And we have an evangelist representative and an elder representative from eight of the nine regions. We've got a region that's still kind of working on it, but the depth of peer relationships there. And the evangelist wives. <laughs> I was getting there. I don't think you were. I was gonna start citing some names, but. Uh, it's been amazing to spend additional time with the likes of Kevin and Trey Holland. Kevin Holland, who's an evangelist, and his wife, who's a women's ministry leader. Doug and Joanne Weber, who are elders in the church, elder and elder's wife, and it's just been great having their combination, doctor attorney in that mix. And we, our relationship's gone so much deeper, but even the cohesiveness and the way these groups work together, nobody marginalizes anyone. I mean, we work together until we come to a common goal and then we move forward. We don't leave anybody behind. But even with that, leaving the room for within the individual regions, everybody's demographics different. I mean, here in Coastal, South Bay is different from the GLB, which is different from our Spanish-speaking ministries. And allowing those ministers to have room to figure out what's best for the groups God has them leading. Leaving room for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So each local church has a trellis or a rule of life. God has raised up various churches in different cities and communities around the world. We made Jesus Lord of our lives, and we committed to a community that we believe will help us grow upward and deeper with Jesus. You know, Nicole kind of alluded to this, um, you know, just from a standpoint of what we, what we have going on daily. You know, this may include our Sunday services. It may include our midweeks, worship, preaching, small groups, special ministries, ministry off, missions offering. Again, participating with Hope Worldwide and other things that you may choose to build into your life. But on a personal level, most of us are not intentional when it comes to our spirituality. You know, th think about this for a minute. How challenging has just that two minutes been for most of you? I mean, it's funny. When it, early on when it, with our groups, I mean, that was the topic of conversation. Like, okay, we're going to take two minutes for, you know, silence and solitude. Say, like, oh my gosh, it's so long. Yet we can binge for hours and hours on Netflix and, you know, some of these other types of things, right? But to, uh, tell me if this sounds familiar. I can sometimes function like a car on autopilot. 6, 6.30, get up, have my coffee, quiet time, usually interrupted by email, text, or letting the dog out, then putting on the news to find out what the latest was with Ukraine, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I was here to start out with my quiet time, back to my quiet time. I'm talking about myself. It sounds like maybe a few of you thought I was talking about you. I wasn't. That was about me. But we have an unconscious way in which we have developed our spiritual lives, and sometimes that leaves a little bit lacking. Yes, I do. That's why I said it. <laughs> you know, uh, we have, we may, it may include reading the Bible in the morning for a few minutes, attending church and small group, giving our, giving our offering, praying at dinner, you know, whatever. But we can be, for the most part, passive and not intentional. And the invitation of this session is to intentionally take one step to own and develop your own personal rule of life.
And the thing that's so key here is the word I used was intentional. It takes intentionality. It requires intentionality to anchor us in this hurricane-paced beast of the 21st century that we live in. It's nuts out there. And sometimes we can bring that nuts in here. It might be possible. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate the affirmation there. You know, and just really thinking this through, swimming against such a strong current without the rule of life is almost impossible. You know, eventually what we do is we find ourselves unfocused, distracted, burnout, and adrift spiritually. You know, this reminds me of the message I did years ago. Uh, It was entitled Solo. And there's this gentleman by the name of Andrew McCullough. Some of you may remember this. There was a Nat Geo special back around 2008, 2010 about this individual who attempted to kayak from Australia to New Zealand. It's about 994 miles. And it started out for him, uh, his first go at it was December 1st of 2006. And he was in the boat for one day and he had to turn back because he realized he wasn't really equipped or set up properly. He was freezing to death in his first attempt. So he didn't get very far. He basically went out and turned back within a day. But then he decided, you know, he ramped back up and on February 9, 2007, almost 30 days into his trip, there was a uh, broadcast on one of the emergency bands that the Coast Guard picked up on. And it says, do you copy? This is kayak one, do you copy? Over. I've got an emergency situation. I'm a kayak about 30 kilometers from Milford Sound. I need a rescue. My kayak's sinking. I fell off into the sea and I'm going down. And that was it. You know, in the same summer, a specially constructed two-man kayak crossed the Tasman Sea by a more northerly route. And some people are thinking because of McCullough's competitive nature, he knew that that team was going to set out. So even though really he wasn't ready, he decided to do it because he wanted to be first. And, you know, when it came right down to it, I think what we saw with the second team that was sent out, there were two of them. They spent a lot more time preparing their kayak for the journey. And what Andrew was missing was that trellis, a rule of life. And this is what's really sad. I remember watching the video and this little boy running along the shore saying, bye-bye, Daddy, I'm going to miss you, Daddy. And then the video culminates with that verbiage that I just read to you. See, he needed that trellis of life. He needed the rule of life. He missed his destination. 994 miles, he missed it by 30 miles. He came up 3% short on that trip. Just sad. Would he have been able to make it if he had planned a little bit differently, if there was a little bit different structure in his life, if he wasn't motivated? I would say as a kayak guy, he was definitely suffering from emotional immaturity when it came to making that kind of a journey. He was powered more by the idea of getting there than really thinking through what it was ultimately going to take place or what it was going to need. You know, I think for me, intentionally thinking through my own personal rule of life has been good for me. Now, I'm not going to lie, it hasn't been easy. In a lot of ways, it's been very frustrating because I don't feel like I'm accomplishing enough. And that's just kind of how I'm wired. I see something needs to get done, I want to jump in and do it. But what this is helping me do is, like I said, you know, when it came to when this thing landed, 
I much would have preferred to have started it, you know, maybe six months from now when some of these other aspects of my life would have settled out. But even in the midst of it, it's enabling me to start to maintain a rhythm and balance for each aspect of my life. I have a commitment to the Sabbath, to rest, to delighting in life. You know, I, I so loved our uh, marriage retreat that David and Cece Bruce spoke at. You know, it's just ideas, literally, you know, it's the old euphemism, slow down and smell the roses. Now, I haven't taken my fork and shoved it under my wife's nose and asked her to smell what I'm eating, and she hasn't done it to me. But, you know, there are just certain things that I haven't made the space for that I really enjoy. I do enjoy savoring a good meal. I enjoy, and I'm much more aware of my time together with other people. In a lot of situations today, I leave, if I'm going into a, if, if it's an appointment where I need my Bible, I bring my phone. But if it's something like just a meal together, I don't want the distraction. I leave it in my car. I want to be able to focus and enjoy the moment. Uh, just little things that I wouldn't have done necessarily before. I, you know, we, I got some patches in the backyard that have dried out a little bit. It's been a little bit hotter. I would normally just plop a sprinkler out there and, you know, jack up my water bill because I forgot I turned it on. But you know, now I'll take the time to just get out there with a with a hose and, you know, enjoy, you know, a Cooper's hawk taking out a dove in my backyard. Um, <laughs> You know, the hummingbirds that are around. Uh, well, I'm telling you, when that Cooper's hawk hit that dove, poof, I mean, it, literally, it was an explosion. I mean, we're just talking feathers. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's just kind of part of the circle of life. You know, if you think I'm sick and twisted, that's on you. But I think just really, really thinking this through, you know, part of all of this is enjoying what God's created. You know, you got issues with the hawk taking out the dove, taking up with God when you get to heaven. <laughs> but what, what I'm really working on here is cultivating my walk with Christ and becoming more aware of my own limits. Yeah. And when I say yes to add another work project or commitment to my life, now I'm, I'm looking at the implications on how this is going to affect my time with God, myself, my wife Jacqueline, our kids and our grandbabies, and I'm going to give Andy Winji one last thing to talk to me about. And it's, it's really important. Um, it's starting to help me be more cognizant and slow down. And, you know, to get started in beginning to craft our own real life, it's important to see the big picture. You know, there's a list of 12 elements, and I will spare you the gory details of working through each and every one of those. But it's a good idea to look at those and see and figure out what apply to you best, what you feel like you can embrace, even if it's just starting with one of the 12. And like I said, I don't have time to go through all 12, but I will share with you the ones that have been most significant for me. This, uh, number two, I believe it's number two on there, yeah. Silence and solitude. You know, and in the book it talks about, you know, you may want to grow in taking two to five minutes a day to be in stillness before the Lord or take a three-hour retreat once a month. When I started out, the first few days, it's kind of challenging, you know. I mean, I'm hearing cars racing up and down the street or something hits the roof or whatever, but... You know, that idea of, of, of re-engaging. Um, for me, it's God, here am I, or Lord, here am I. So if I start drifting, it's Lord, here am I, and it just dials me back. Now, I love it. I mean, it's not, it's not long. It's easy to step into, and I very rarely have to use that anchor, Lord, here am I. Just the, the deep breaths. You know, what I, I didn't realize is there were mornings after practices that I must have woken up stressed because after that two, minute, two minutes, I feel so much more relieved and at peace. And it really sets me up for having cleared my mind. You know, there's a Robert Redford movie years ago. Um, what was the baseball movie? 
the natural. You guys remember that? For those of you who've seen it, remember that where he'd step up to the plate and he'd, he'd like say to himself, clear the mechanism? Kevin Costner, what I said, Rod, thank you. Well, whoever it was. <laughs> we don't need to be generating polarity on this, okay? I've had enough polarity to last me a lifetime the last couple of years. But uh, the bottom line is he'd step up to the plate and it was like clear the mechanism. And like he'd look to right field, click, it goes silence. He looked to center field, click, it goes silence. He looked to left field, click, it goes silence. And then, you know, you have them hitting that ball that hits the lights out in the outfield and the whole thing blows up and anyway. But it, it, that idea of being able to clear all the mental noise is huge. And if you've been having a hard time with it, just keep going after it. And there may be other aspects of those 12 that will be significant for you, but that one's been huge for me. Sabbath. You want to begin to uh, setting apart a 24-hour period to Sabbath to the Lord. And you know, this may be your year project starting with half a day, building up, whatever. The implications are in 1 Corinthians 7.32, live as free of complications as possible so you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Number nine, care for the physical body. Um, you know, this idea of needing eight hours of sleep, exercising, shifting your diet. You know, rest been an integral part of me getting back to the gym. Um, I can't tell you how grateful I am for somebody that's willing to get up at 6, 6, well, whatever it is, he gets up, 5.30 to get ready, get to the gym by 6.30. But knowing that I have someone there, uh, we've had, both had those instances where, you know, something will come up and we make a phone call and say, hey, dude, I'm not going to be able to make it tomorrow. Needless to say, when that happens, I'm not there by myself. It just, this is an area of discipline I need to grow in. But when I know he's there... It ain't happening. Now, mind you, I don't think, I think I may have been late once. Rhett's usually late, but he's got three kids. He'll have an opportunity to refute it or to acknowledge it, but the, even if he's late, maybe this is my stage in life, stuff like that in the past used to really fry my hindsight. Right now, it's like, whatever, I know he's coming, I'm here. And there have been a couple instances where even after having made that commitment, he couldn't for whatever reason. But it got me there, and it's really helpful to be able to have that time of focus. I mean, I, outside of our D time, we have some of the most amazing conversations in the sauna and steam room about life, situations, people, marriage, kids, all those different things. And it's, it's been awesome. And, you know, I, I wear my little Apple Watch, and I, I watch my heart rate go from 110 to 130 beats per minute. I'm thinking, man, that's the best darn cardio I've ever had just sitting still. But it, it's been helpful. I mean, it's, it's another means of cleansing the body, cleaning out the mind. And, uh, and you know, there has been a little bit of healthy eating that's slipping into the mix. I've, I've lost 10 pounds over the last three weeks. Um, I only have about another 30 to go. But, you know, with Red showing up there a couple times a week, I know it's going to get there. So, and then the final one, community, was huge for me. Companions for the journey. You know, we talk about discipling, we talk about mentoring. How about just having friendships where one and another, kind of like what we see in Exodus 17, where, you know, Moses is out there and they're battling the Amalekites and he's holding up his staff and he starts to get tired and as the staff drops, they start losing the battle. And Aaron and Ur plug in, it's like, hey, you know what? We got something going on here. When the staff's up, we're doing well. When he dropped the staff, we're starting to get our butts kicked. So what do they do? They set up a rock for him to sit on. They each take an arm, hold the staff up, and they win the battle. To me, that's what this companionship, that's what this aspect of community is. Yep. 
all of us lifting each other's arms as we move forward in our Christian walk. The choice is yours. You know, developing an intentional rule of life takes trial and error and time, and I've accomplished every single one of those aspects. Uh, we need to continue to learn about ourselves. For example, you know, what kind of spiritual practices bring you closer to God? Which, more like which of these are more like chores and tend to drive you away from him? So the ones that aren't allowing you to move forward, get rid of them. You know, if you try something that doesn't work, it ain't over. I mean, there's a list of 12 things. There's a few different things that's going to take you a little bit of time to work through to figure out what works best for you going forward. Amen? So just really thinking that through. Give yourself lots of time for the slow development of work, what works best for you. And as you examine your life, you're going to notice different areas that need work. And the best approach is to start with only one or two of the elements for the first few months. Then after you experience some success with those, it's kind of like working out. Add in a different exercise. Spend a little bit more time on the exercise, whatever it may be, so that you're adding another building block to your rule of life. Or you may want to stay with the same element to work on over a longer period of time. But, you know, getting back to our, our small group, it's been, for me, it's been refreshing. It's taken my relationship with the Pings, with the Ornellas, with the uh, Costas, to so much of a deeper level. The vulnerability, the transparency, the trust that we've developed in that group is amazing. And, you know, we, we missed a week. Uh, we're we're going to make them up. But if, if you take a look at your calendar, you've got a number of weeks that are open. We didn't give you or assign anything to you. So within your small group, you figure out what you want to do. You know, with the more challenging chapters, maybe you want to go back and go through it again. Maybe conceptually there were questions and you just didn't have the opportunity or the time to address it in that one midweek. So you've got another month. Do just that. Uh, Andres suggested that, you know, what we do is we, we generally have food. That's always a good thing. Um, you know, getting together for a meal, breaking bread. Again, Acts 2, man, what do they devote themselves to? And over the, once we complete the eighth week, we're just going to continue with aspects of the office that we haven't used, have a meal together, go through the daily office, a couple of scriptures, a couple of suggestions, and then just do just that. Talk about it. But, you know, and I've heard this from many of you, that it's really made a difference relationally in your groups. If you haven't been participating, it's not too late. I just really want to encourage you, dig in. If you don't have the books, get them. Uh, talk to somebody that's gone through it. I think, again, it's been challenging. I mean, there's been stuff that I've unearthed. You know, I, I couldn't believe this. I know when my dad died, uh, he was murdered on January 27th of 1964, same day that my wife was born on. I don't know my dad's date of birth, and these are some things I want to go back after. My Uncle Joe was born 3-20-27 today. I don't know why, it was on my heart. I reached out to my cousin Nicole back in you know, New York and she sent me, I wasn't able to get to the funeral because of COVID. And I think just with that, realized, you know what, I need to go back. I need to spend some time at his grave. I need to continue the, I, I never really started the grieving process, but I, I need to really go back and spend that time. So, you know, going back to move forward, right? And there, there are a number of those instances in my life and I don't like pain. I don't like emotional hurt. I mean, I prided myself on training it out of my system, but what it does is it, it keeps me from being real, keeps me from being vulnerable. You know, Jackie and I had a great talk yesterday of, of like, 
you know, I think with me understanding how I feel, rather than being stupid and saying something angry in the moment, giving myself some space and really being able to process, why did I feel the way that I felt? And then being able to go back and actually share that without the anger emotion and more of a, you know, hey, can I talk to you about this? This really hurt my feelings. And, uh, you know, and I owe this to what we've been going through in emotionally healthy spirituality. I'm sure many of you are like me. There's stuff that's been painful. It may have ripped the scab off some old wounds, but stick with it. Because coming out on the other side of this is really going to be, and continuing with this, is going to be a great thing for all of our lives. You know, I think be willing to make mistakes. Try again. Learn new things. But keep it intentional. And be careful to avoid any traces of legalism. I know for me, I'm not one and done, as I said, with the Emotional Healthy Spirituality book. The chapters that I was most challenged by, the ones I shared with you, are the ones I'm rereading. Uh, and we've, we've got to be careful when it comes to this treasure of spiritual discipline. You know, the does not become a, so it doesn't become a, a, a haves to rather than a wants to, as the author of the book talked about. It's got to be out of a I want to because of my love for Christ. And remembering that, that Jesus is real clear on this. His yoke is easy. His yoke is light. Amen. My yoke weighs 10,000 pounds, and I'm trying to drag it by myself, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? No. So it's just really understanding how, what a unique opportunity we have to be able to grow and mature spiritually in our walk with Christ. You know, my prayer for you now is that this final session, along with the entire Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, will serve only as the beginning of a great journey with Christ as we move forward. And that journey will fill you with joy and delight, which spills out to all of those that you come into contact with, all of those within your sphere of influence. And this is what God calls us to be, yep. to be a light, to have an impact, to, to be an anchor, not just for ourselves with God, but an anchor for those that are out there drifting personally because of all the crazy that's going on in this world today. So in closing, Benedict wrote 1,500 years ago, the love of Christ must come before all else. Amen. It's really making room for that to be something that you can embrace for your own life as you move forward. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray for communion. Oh, Father, we, we thank you uh, for this amazing journey that you've invited us in to be a part of. We're so grateful for the example that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine this morning, let's be cognizant of what really took place 2,000 years ago. Because of Christ's love for you, Father, and his love for each and every one of us, he was willing, as part of his service to us, to die so that we could be ushered into your kingdom, knowing that through his blood, our forgiveness comes. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that many of us experience in this room of having been baptized for the forgiveness of our sin and understanding then and only then are we clothed with the Holy Spirit, are we clothed with Christ. And it's then and only then that, God, we know that you're able to call us your own. As we've been purified through those waters, we've become purified and visible to you. Help us to never lose sight of what an incredible gift we were given. Help us to wake up every day as we start with our solitude and silence to remember what an amazing God you are, that you are for us, that are you, there, you are there to help us, you're there to guide us with your word through the spirit and through the example of Jesus Christ. 
And may we always allow you to develop the structure around our lives that will keep us pointed in the right direction, just like that vine on the trellis, upwards, spend time with you in heaven for eternity. Father, we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 